1: When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio, 630 Chad. Lucic, out to the point, Larson, a
2: drive, and that was blocked in front, and Anaheim takes possession. Getzloff missed, Silberberg, he was struck that by that puck. On the right forearm, I believe. Makes a steal in front. What timer score! And Anaheim's tied the series! Gets off the steal! Silverberg the winner!
3: And that has us tied at 2-2 in the series. The road team has won every game. Silverberg only 45 seconds into overtime tonight. The Anaheim Ducks take it 4-3. A game where the Oilers... Had the 2 0 lead after the first period. They played very well in the opening 20 minutes. They did not play well in the middle frame. They were dominated by Anaheim. Outshot. Well, they now have it at 21 5 in the second period for Anaheim. Uh, the Oilers were in danger of losing in regulation time. They got a late goal from Drake Kajula but in overtime, the only shot from Silverberg goes in, and that's where it ended. 4-3 is your final. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line, live from Rogers Place. It's 11.32. You can reach me, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. We have plenty of post-game reaction coming up as well. Certainly a lot to talk about in this game. I think we saw... So a lot of good things from the Oilers in terms of energy, uh, you know, in terms of forechecking. And then we saw a pretty big response from the Anaheim Ducks and, and the Oilers not able to handle at times. I know we'll be discussing a couple of the goals that were scored in this game because there were some close calls on goals that went against the Edmonton Oilers. We'll hear from Cam Talbot, who's apparently quite unhappy about the goalie interference call Well, that wasn't called. Uh, It was a minute 37 into the second period. Ryan Getzlaff scored on a play where Jordan Everly did a really poor job of trying to get the puck out of the zone, didn't make a strong play along the wall. As a result, Everly was actually demoted to the fourth line. But on the play, Corey Perry was cutting across the front of the net as Getzlaff shot the puck. He bumped Talbot. It was a skate-on-skate collision. And when I looked at the rule book, I read goals should be disallowed if an attacking player, either by his positioning or by contact, impairs the goalkeeper's ability to move freely within his crease or defend his goal. I know there's an overhead shot out there that Talbot's skate was outside the crease. Um, So... Then I guess you go to the rule, incidental contact with the goalkeeper will be permitted and resulting goals allowed when such contact is initiated outside of the goal crease, provided the attacking player has made a reasonable effort to avoid such contact. So then uh, you're getting down to uh, a judgment call by the official. That was a tough one. The second Ducks goal might have been offside. Look, guys. I don't have a snowball's clue in you-know-where how that would have gone. We've talked about the offside challenge to death. First of all, I don't like the fact that, challenges can be, that offsides can be challenged. Challenge, it often comes down to millimeters. The Oilers couldn't challenge it because they already had lost a challenge and therefore didn't have a timeout. I have no idea what would have happened on it. And the overtime goal was a possible icing. But the officials waved it off, and then the Oilers messed up the play. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Larson made a weak play. I, I, I think he was trying to flip the puck out and fanned on it. Lucci should have been lower down on the wall. So if you don't hear the whistle, you have to keep playing. Uh, but I'm sure you'll be overly focused on that. I hope not, because the Oilers, quite frankly, were outplayed Drastically at times tonight, and that has to be the number one thing that has to be addressed going into Friday night. 780-496-0063. We have Cam first up on the phone. Cam, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. How's one Good. It's good to hear from you. Good. No Rob? No Rob's missing this game, and he's missing Friday's game.
4: Okay. So it's good to so hear flying solo, so that's cool. Um, well, I thought that I mentioned after after we got up by two uh Two games I'd mentioned that my scenario as I thought about things realistically heading into game three was you know getting one of the next three and I just I mean that's just given Anaheim a lot of respect but I mean we're not in a position to disrespect Anaheim they're a very very good hockey team so you know if we can't go in there tomorrow night and I'm not waving or pardon me what if we can't go in there on Friday night and get a win, um, you know, if we're going to let them win three in a row, then we're probably not in a position to win this series. And uh, I'm not suggesting that you know you, you wave the white flag, but I mean it just comes down to having to get this next one in Anaheim, and you know you're going to have to you're going to have to get it. And the second part is, um, I, I I don't think there's anything wrong, and I'm not a defeatist, and I'm certainly you know very positive about the team, but. I I just to put it in perspective I don't think there's anything wrong if if our guys are outmatched in this series uh you know with going down with a good fight and I mean there's nothing I can do to change the series or affect the series by by saying that so I'm just looking at it from a fan's perspective that you know these guys have had an unbelievable year and you know our team has to be great um every guy has to be going And there was, you know, like, you know, you brought up a guy earlier, you know, that kind of stuff's just unacceptable. But we said earlier in the year, you know, all the way through the year, it was going to be, you know, the way that line went. And tonight we had, you know, a fail to clear, and it was brutal. And it cost us dearly. And then the second thing we said was that face-offs are probably going to come back to haunt us at some point. And I think they did tonight, right, Reid?
3: 61% Anaheim.
4: Yeah, so, you know, that was the other thing, too. And then the other part is that it's still a young defense it's maturing. And I mean, even Larson, I mean, last thing I want to do is, is add fire to the, you know, fuel to the fire about Larson and Hall, because that one's dead. I mean, we obviously know it was a great trade. But, I mean, even, you know, even those two guys, Clefbaum and Larson tonight, they were just, you know, they looked discombobulated at times, and they have to learn to play against players that are that good. I mean, there's just so many good players in Anaheim. So, I don't I'm just keeping it in perspective. Let's go in there on... Uh, on Friday night and get a win. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to is getting a win in there and coming back for game six. So see what we can do.
3: Yeah, thanks, Cam. I appreciate you calling. And, and, I mean, you know, debate about all the other stuff aside, you know, Cam made a point that, you know, if if the Oilers just legitimately get beat in this series, he understands that's a possibility. Look, it's 2-2. Anything can happen. This game goes to overtime. The Oilers were a shot away from maybe being up 3-1, But we've talked a lot about the Oilers' composure and ability to bounce back and be resilient. Well, I think the team they're playing is pretty good at that. And, you know, we talked a lot about experience in the San Jose series. I think it's more of a factor in this series because, you know, one of the veteran guys on the Ducks, Ryan Getzlaff, has been brilliant. He's been the best player in this series. He had two goals and two assists tonight, and he was also plus four. He played 26 minutes, and he won 62% of his face-offs. So you have to re- remember, too, that the Oilers are playing a pretty resilient and composed team here as well. If you're on hold, stay there. Cam Talbot takes the loss in net. His postgame reaction for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts
5: at wholesale and really prices.
6: Do you wonder what
5: both influence or interference is these days? Yeah, like I said, I, I, I try to play with integrity in my paint. And I'm not the guy that's going to flop and dive and try to get calls. But, I mean, if those are the goals that are going to count when I'm trying to do my best to make the save, then maybe I do got to flop and dive and, and get those calls like all the other guys.
7: Thanks, man. Sort of talk about the ups and downs of the playoffs. Kim, I mean, you guys tie it there and then end so quickly there in overtime? Yeah, I mean, we, we did a
5: great job battling back, Drake got us a big goal there, but, um, I mean, tough, tough playing overtime there, gets off, picks off the puck, and uh, it was a Silverberg backdoor there, and he makes a great shot, I mean, how much you can do there, and try to get across, and he put it just over my pad, just over my pad, inside the post. I know you were talking about the goalie interference there, um, as a goalie, I mean, you, you were clearly frustrated, what, what can you do at this point? battle through, I guess. I don't know what else I, I could have done there, to be honest. I uh, Dan said that uh, Perry was within his rights and within his eyes, but I I don't believe that was the case. I thought that I was in my blue paint. He bumped me. Uh, there's no way I can make that play. Thanks, Ken. Yeah. Read that's to Talbot.
3: All right, Brendan Ulrich, Ulrich work in the Oilers' room, and Talbot said, maybe I need to start flopping around and diving like some of the other guys. I don't think he's going to do that. He, uh, I mean, I think Talbot's been a pretty level-headed Goaltender through his two years here in Edmonton, and you saw him react immediately after that bump. The Oilers challenged; didn't matter. Uh, and again, there were other issues on that goal—a couple of failed clears—and uh, you know the Oilers they just didn't withstand the Ducks' forecheck really at all. I was going to say not very well; they really didn't withstand it at all in the second period. Ducks win four-three in overtime. Seven-eight-zero-four-nine-six-zero-zero-six-three. We have Tony on the line. Tony, thanks a lot How's for going? calling. I'm doing great. Go ahead. Tonight? Go
8: ahead. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, so my first thing is, as I was watching tonight's game, and in my opinion, the Ducks didn't win it. The Ducks did not win it because they had so much out from the officials, It's not even funny. First, the goaltender interference. It doesn't matter if Cam Talbot's a little bit out. It should have been goaltender interference. There's no way he's going to get that. The second one was when Corey Perry was offside his skate was on there. This is, not the, this is the second time in two nights that the others have played that they have been basically, I don't know how to say it, but they've been basically told that, oh, yeah, you know, it's okay to go offside and score a goal.
3: Well, that's not what they were told the night. They weren't told anything because they can't challenge it once they've used their one challenge, right?
8: And the other thing I wanted to say is, you know, people are saying that Getzlaff is is um, probably, you know probably the best player in the series so far. I have noticed something about him, and he is gonna. And I could be wrong, but he might be Emmonton like the Edmontonian's one enemy. He thinks he owns that ice. He interferes with people. He high sticks people. He he plays the dirt. He him and Kessler are probably the dirtiest ducks on that ice because Kessler. Okay, he's kind of, you know, mellowed out for a little there for a, little, a couple of games. But Kessler tonight, when Lucic was going in on the puck, I think it was in the second period, he interfered with him and nothing was called. The officiating needs to get better or it's going to ruin this series.
3: Okay, thanks, Tony. Appreciate you calling. 780 496 0063 is the phone number. The uh, power plays tonight the Ducks were 0 for 4, the Oilers were 1 for 3. We'll have post-game reaction from the Ducks' room in a few minutes as well. More from your Edmonton Oilers, including head coach Todd McClellan. The three stars tonight, Getzlaff, Silverberg, Kajula. The fourth star of the game is for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. With Rob Brown away today, I'm going to go to the phone line and bring in Mark. And be Mark, before I get to your game comment, I'm going to let you pick the fourth star of the game. Who do you think?
5: Star of the game. I, I think... Uh... Definitely Drake Kajula, because that, that kid, he has been on fire, I, I think, ever since we, we brought him up, and he's uh, <clears throat> just a hard worker.
3: All right, so. good stuff. Yeah, you got a big goal tonight. What else is on your mind?
5: Well, I I really, really admire uh, the Ducks' puck pursuit. Like, they, their forecheck and backcheck kind of thing is, I mean, I wish – I wish our guys would, would would do do more of that kind of thing because it it just seemed like that second period we were just standing still, well watching the puck getting caught up and whatever. And it, it's I mean it's almost amazing to watch. You know the, these these guys Silverberg he's just a giant killer for us. And I think um, it, it's uh, I mean that 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 um, goaltender. Interference, yes, okay, but yeah, uh, well, whatever. But I'm, yeah, it's it's just the well, giveaways in, call, in our in calls our aside.
3: Range. Calls aside, Mark, the Ducks were a vastly better team in the second period, yes. and it's like you said, they can pursue the puck well. They have big players. They they have skilled play. I mean, there's they're a very good team. They're they're better than San Jose. Maybe not by lots, but they are better than San Jose. Yeah, I think Gibson has been pretty steady. I mean, I know he led in three tonight, but he's made some good saves. So uh, you're right. I mean, to that's. I, I know I'm going to spend the next 48 hours talking to angry Oilers <laughs> fans about the officials, and that's fine. I'm here for therapy but, sometimes.
5: But, but one one more point I want to make is, uh, and I see it time and time and again. And yeah, yes, you know our defense and guys. Are on a learning curve kind of, kind of thing, but they still, I got to get the puck out of our our zone. They can't sit on it. I think it was the third goal. Nuge had it on his stick for a second, and Getzlaff just walked right in, took it right off, and ripped it home. And it just, I mean, I, I think sometimes it's it's too much of the trying for the pretty plays kind of, kind of thing, and it's just, I mean, hard off the boards. I, I I do like they are they're trying, but. It's again the the whole puck pursuit and bigger team by by yeah. uh, the Ducks that are causing this. So. Yeah,
3: they played well. They they played to their strengths more than the Oilers did tonight. Mark, thanks for calling seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. And I think the Oilers. You know, adapting and, and continuing to try to adapt to the Ducks forecheck and make quicker decisions and not make you know rushed hope plays is going to be the adjustment of the game for Friday for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. Visit AlbertaChiro.com. It's 11:46. Oilers lose in overtime, 4-3 to the Ducks. The series is tied 2-2. We got a special guest who's going to chime in with some thoughts. Tonight, you get him on the tube all throughout the regular season from Sportsnet Oilers analyst Drew Remenda. Drew, thanks for making time for me tonight. How are you doing?
9: I'm good. I'm good, Reed. How are you? Sorry to hear that Rob's not there, so I'll be a poor man's Rob Brown.
3: That's okay. Well, yeah, we'll bring you in for, for a few minutes. Because right. I want to get back to the phone calls here and some more post-game reaction, but some points I want to hit on with you. And, and you just heard Mark's call. Yeah. And I yeah. thought his concerns uh, about what the Ducks can do in terms of puck pursuit and forechecking, are very we're, we're very well uh, verbalized because that's something the Oilers are going to figure have to figure out how to contend with
9: here. Yeah, I thought Cam, your first caller, uh, was right on the money too, and and I, and and was it Mark, I'm sorry, was the, was the last caller. I thought he was on the money too. Um, they do hunt the puck very well. The Anaheim Ducks are a very good team. 105 points. They're an excellent team and the experience that uh, that Cam was talking about certainly is on their side. Um, But when you look at a team that that pursues the puck hard, there are adjustments you you can make. There's reverses you can play. You can just make sure a little passes. There's chips off the boards. I thought where the Oilers got in trouble tonight in that second period was, and you heard Bob Stoffer talk about it, was puck management. I thought through the neutral zone with the Oilers in that second period, they, they forced the puck into the middle all the time. They turned the puck over. They fed The transition team, the transition ability of the Anaheim Ducks, and that shortened the rink for the Ducks, and they were able to get on their puck pursuit, they were able to hunt pucks, and because of their back pressure that Mark talked about, they did make some poor plays in the neutral zone. Earlier in the year, I think we were in Florida, and we were talking to Patrick Maroon, and Patrick Maroon said, we're a good team. When we, when we recognize when we need to attack and when we need to chip the puck in. But the DNA of the Edmonton Oilers, the way they, they are built right now, is to attack. They, they're, they're, it's built into them. It is, it is wired that they want to attack, attack, attack. And sometimes one on four, one on three isn't gonna work. Maybe sometimes with Connor it does, but very little with the rest of the National Hockey League. So I thought they, they didn't, in the second period, Push the ducks back into their own zone, lengthen the rink, play the long game, and I thought that's what got them in trouble. And then in the third period, when they got their game going, how they get it going? They got pucks behind, they got their forecheck going.
3: Yeah, good point. And you level the, you know, good for him. Big hit on Getzlaff, yeah. and then a few minutes, well, ten minutes later, so you right, sorry,
9: Reid, but yep. you'd be right. If Getzlaff is going to be out there for 26 minutes, then every time he touches the puck, make him pay for it.
3: Drew Amenda joining us on Overtime Open Line, courtesy of the Canadian Brewhouse. So, uh, I, I, and I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on, on the ref stuff because I know people are going to be yeah. angry enough. Yeah. The, 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 the offside one, there's nothing you can do about it and because no. he couldn't challenge it, and I hate the challenge anyway. Even, it, maybe that should have been icing, but once it's waved off, you got to play. And there that were play. three Oilers that could have made a better play.
9: Exactly. So, there, so on that play... Oscar doesn't make a great play because he thinks it's going to be a nice thing. Adam Marson makes a soft play up the boards. and Mina Lucic can't let Ryan Getzlaff get in front of him.
4: Yep. You have
9: to maintain net side, defensive side positioning in that situation. And Getzlaff knocks it down. And, throw, and also, where are the last two, the other two forwards? How how long did it take them to get back yeah, into the didn't zone? see him. didn't see yeah, exactly. all. Exactly. That's exactly right. So you're right. It, it was Yes, you can... You can look at those goals, and you can be upset. I, and I think you explained it perfectly when it came to the, the goalie interference. Um, I sent some, some text out when that, when that was going on, and after the call came back, and, and you were right, the, the NHL and the referees from my sources thought that they, the, skate was out, the skate contact was outside the crease and that, that um, Corey Perry uh, never ended up in the blue paint. So they, as they told, as Dan O'Halloran, as you heard Cam Talbot say, uh, he said Dan, Dan, I mean Dan O'Halloran said that Corey Perry has a right to that pass. I agree with Cam. I, I looked at that and thought automatically it's goalie interference. But you know what, Reed? The more and more I look at these instant replays and these these video reviews the less and less I think I know what the hell's going on yet. <laughs> am, am I right?
3: That's a, lo- a lot of fans are just nodding their heads listening to yeah. you, yes, because you never know what you're going to get out of the review. Yeah, Drew, thanks for, for chiming in and staying up to join us. Uh, oh, I would love to bring you in again on Friday after Game 5. I'll, and I'll, I'll
9: be well. watching. And hopefully I won't be yelling at TV tonight like or, or Friday like I was tonight.
3: Right on. Talk to you okay, soon. buddy. You bet. Bye. That's Drew Remendo, Oilers analyst for their broadcast on Sportsnet, checking in with some thoughts tonight on Canadian Brew host overtime open line I liked what he said there that the oilers you know got away from from good puck management in the second period too much trying to force the puck into the middle and they didn't push the ducks back and I, I know people have asked you know Rob and I about that on on other shows the balance between carrying the puck in and dumping it in and, and sometimes you just got to get it as far away from your net as possible or, or try to get it in behind their D and get something going that way and make them go 200 feet through five guys to get to your net. And, and and the Oilers were able to skate, able to make plays in the first period. And you know, good point by Drew. They didn't recognize quickly enough in the second period that that formula wasn't going to continue to work. The Ducks win at 4-3 in overtime. 7804960063. We'll bring in Rocket to the show at 11:52. Hi Rocket.
5: Hey Reed, how are you?
3: Doing well, thanks for waiting. I wanted to get uh, drew in and I thought uh, you know he brought some good finer points to the show
5: oh he
10: he, he did he he was I thought he was exactly one hundred percent on 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 the analysis, but it still you know leaves a bitter taste in your mouth and, and it leaves a bitter taste in my mouth when i didn 't even know. It was an icing until Ron McLean on Sportsnet is saying it's an icing, and they're showing it on the overhead view, and it's clearly an icing call. So when 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 you're, you have that kind of an important game and it impacts the game that way, it's another brutal referee call that you know I don't, I don't want to harp on because they're already in enough hot water as it is. Because uh, you know the media is all over them with uh, slashing calls and Crosby and this, that, and the other thing, and here's here's another addition to to that. But uh, um, well, you know, it's, it's 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 a little bit. It, it is really frustrating when you can't let two teams decide the outcome of the game, and that's that's what should have happened tonight, and it didn't. Read
3: well. Uh, you know, I, I again the, the goalie interference one is the one I would complain about the most. The the thing with the icing, and I'm starting to see screen caps on Twitter. It was waved off when Clefbaum was at his blue line, so he's got however long it is, 80 feet or whatever, or 60 feet, I guess, to get in there and you know, may, and make a stronger play with the puck. Larson's got time to make a stronger play with the puck, and Lucic. As you know, he was brought in to make a better detailed play like that to make sure he gets below Getzlaff. And again, Getzlaff just beat him to the spot and took the puck away. So I, I know what you're saying. I'm not, I'm not going to tell anybody not to be frustrated, um, but I just think the Oilers could have made a better play there as well. Getzlaff with a huge game. Let's hear from him for the Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide
6: solutions. That was an adventure? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I mean. What a game.
11: Well, we can't really um, ask too many questions
1: without asking about your performance. Two goals, two first assists. Can you talk a little bit about what occurred between the first and second period where you and the team basically took over?
6: Well, we, I thought we... I was really disappointed with the way we played in the first period. Um, you know, our PK's got to find a way to get the job done here a little bit. and um, You know, and we've got to find a way to dig in. I thought we lost a lot of battles in that first period and... Um, you know, I've always said that that's. Uh, yeah, I can say anything I want in the dressing room, but I got to go out and live it. And I tried to do that in the second period, and the group just went along with it, and we kept playing. Did you say something in the in between? Periods? We talked a little bit, but there's no. Again, there's no big secret message that goes on in here. We talk a little bit about the things that we need to improve on, um, and the things that we need to do to turn the game around. So we were able to do that tonight. Battled back, obviously gave up one late there. Uh, really nice to get out and get one in overtime. Right, so thoughts on an overtime winner? It looked like uh, Silverwood made a nice play to kind of heal. Well, we both did actually. Um, you know, Sylvie. I made a terrible pass to him in the neutral zone, forced him to go four check, but um, you know, he got in on that four check, forced the guy up the wall, Rax went in, uh, it was just a it was a well executed four check. Rax went in, made the guy turn the puck over. Um, I was able to get it over to Sylvie and he does what he does. Raising your level of play, Ryan, what does it involve? I mean you say you gotta live it. How do you do it? Go out and play. I mean that's that's just it. There's have uh, you gotta go out and win more battles than the guy across from you. That's playoff hockey. Um, you know, we got to as a group uh, keep moving forward. We haven't accomplished anything yet. All we did was get our home ice back. So um, we got to take this one, breathe, breathe the next day and a half here, um, and get ready for Game Five.
3: All right. So there's Ryan Getzlaff, Scott Johnson working the visitors' dressing room. He was excellent tonight. Two goals, two assists, and the the goals he set up Raquel with a great one-timer on his right wing, he's a right hand shot I mean a lot of time you think of the one timer on the off wing backing away from the net he's still able to flick it home and then Silverberg his 7th of the playoffs ripping it past Talbot, only 45 seconds in overtime, Ducks win 4-3 series is tied 2-2, no Japanese Village goal light tonight, the Oilers have to score 5 or more for us to turn that on on the Oilers page on 630 com. then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, 3 locations in Edmonton downtown Southside, Northside. north side. i'm reed wilkins rob brown will return uh i guess for game six since we now know there's going to be a game six on sunday and we have jason on the phone line jason great to hear from you thanks for staying up late what are you thinking man
0: hey uh reed um i think there's way too much complaining going on right now about the officiating uh there were certainly a lot of bad calls tonight but um but there were a lot of bad calls in the last series and the oilers just found a way to overcome and that's that's just the way it goes. I mean, even the call in Vermette, I don't think that could, uh, you know gets made uh, eight out of ten times. Right, and that allowed for the Oilers to tie the game up and give them a chance to win in overtime. And in overtime, I mean, if you're saying like the guys thought it was offside, so the they, they took a you know they took a step back, then that's that's on them. You got to finish the play. So uh, aside from that, um, the difference for me watching tonight is that uh, the Ducks their big game players show up on big games. I mean, <laughs> Getzlaff was brilliant tonight. I don't know what that guy earlier tonight, earlier was talking about. Getzlaff was absolutely brilliant. Uh, this is an $8 million player who plays like an $8 million player. And now you got guys like, and this is where Oilers fans should be channeling their anger towards Jordan Eberle, who I personally have not been a fan of ever, and I'm 365 days a year not a Jordan Eberle fan. This guy is, in the first time in his career, he's on a marquee stage. He's actually on the big stage playing big games, aside from the World Juniors, where he was, he's he been riding that for his whole career, let's be honest. Uh, and he's being exposed. He can't play at this level. This is a $6 million player. He makes just a little under what Getzloff's making. He makes just a little under what Crosby's making. Yep, he's and- eating up 15% of your cap, and he can't play. He well and, play as you,
3: and as you know, he got demoted tonight he played eleven and a half minutes he uh, he was more physically engaged and and he, I thought he checked better against the San Jose series um we have we saw two pretty poor games here in Edmonton from Jordan Everly and I mean I talked about the first goal you know he's gonna get hit and instead of eating the puck or or trying to do something else you, you know. He flips it up the wall and, you know, it goes right to an Anaheim guy and three seconds later gets left, shoots it in the net. So I, I would think, Jason, that Slepyshev starts with Nugent Hopkins and Lucic in game five. I, I can't, I this time, last time around I thought Todd's going to go back to the same lines. I, I can't see him doing that for game five. And Slepyshev plays with energy. He forechecks he, and he takes the puck to the net. And he's been a more dangerous player than Everly in this series. Absolutely right. 780 All right, we haven't given you news and weather for a long time. We're going to do that now. We got Jordan and Corey as our next two callers. You'll hear from both head coaches. Ducks win 4 3. It's Canadian Brewhouse overtime hey, open Everybody, on it's
1: Radio me. The chair for my favorite wobbly Pub Stop, the Canadian Brewhouse. Are you hungry? Well, the Canadian Brew House has put together some tempting new dishes for you, head into any location and check out our new seasonal fusion menu. Try our new kimchi bruschetta or salmon cèviche, or check out the twist on a Philly cheesesteak. What's the twist? That'd be putting beer in the cheese. Yeah, only at the Canadian Brew House. This is overtime open line, brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio six
2: thirty chat. And that was smothered. And now Anaheim has a two-on-one coming the other way. Corey Perry and Getzlaff. Perry over the line. He'll shoot. Save made by Talbot. And he's got it. Huge stop by Cam Talbot. Perry, the good look off. The others played
3: the pass, and they had to. And Talbot beat Corey Perry. That was with the game tied 2-2, 9-19 left in the second period. Camp Talbot saved the game for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Talbot made 35 saves tonight, but he takes the loss. The Oilers outshot 39-32. They lose 4-3 in overtime to the Anaheim Ducks. Jakob Silverberg, the only shot on goal in overtime, 45 seconds in and that was the winner. As this series is tied 2-2 heading to Anaheim, the road team has won every game. 8:30 face-off on Friday. We'll have the face-off show starting at 6. There will be a game 6 in Edmonton on Sunday. I have not seen a start time announced for that yet. We'll let you know as soon as we know. 780-496-0063. My name is Reed Wilkins. We have Jordan on the phone line. Jordan, good morning. Go ahead, buddy. Hey Reed,
12: how's it going? I'm, uh, I'm doing well. So, uh, yeah, I have a couple comments. First, I'll um, keep my hat on as an Oilers fan. And I thought, um, yeah, of course, like we deserve to lose probably the back two-thirds, two-fifths at least of the game. Uh, and I, I thought, you know, interesting, the demotion of Eberle. I actually thought he played better after that. I don't know how you felt. I mean, and I wonder if, if that um, option was actually played by the coaches here in the past number of years if some of our top six forwards would have started playing the right way more often um
3: well that's a good question I'll, I'll let you get to your second point that's a good question the oilers weren't as deep in past years so the the options to move up weren't as viable like slepishev can actually get in there and i Everly did play better once he moved down he seemed to forecheck a little better uh i mean he tried to take the puck to the net a couple times he was on the ice for the game tying goal But for me now, I leave Slepyshev on the second line to start the next game. I think he's earned it.
12: He has, and and he he brings more. He's more dynamic than Eberle is. But um, I guess I'll take off my Oilers hat now in in, in full fairness and just complete objectivity as a fan of the game, um, as a hockey fan. Um, The league is broken right now in the sense that um, what we've seen this year with the coaches' challenge – And just the mixed bag of, like, bridge nuts that we get in terms of the uneven uh, methods and processes by which the game is influenced. So so if a goal is scored in the the final minute or two, then it's an automatic review. Right. um, And you only get one timeout to use as a coach to challenge. And in this case, we saw the linesman, the back linesman made a judgment call waved it off when i think at that point even there was a lot of oilers that felt probably on the ice that our guy would have been the first back to touch it that it wasn't a close race in that sense and that might have been why they were a little bit off in terms of battling back to to get that puck so there were other mistakes made later in that play but just as an example i just feel like having two officials on the ice there's two problems there's two main problems from my point of view one is that number one I also play the game, it's a fast game, I I have a lot of empathy for officials to make these big emotional calls as as objectively as possible in this fast game, on the ice, you can't be looking everywhere at the same time, so it's either that, or some things are called differently by different measures and by different groups of people, depending on what time of the game it is. So in my point, of view, get that fourth official off the ice, make him be the guardian angel, eye in the sky, and in between... Uh, commercial breaks when they're already interrupting the flow of the game to pay Eberle six million when he probably doesn't deserve it then have an automatic review of the whistles that have happened the plays that are leading up to that and then let that one head official the referee make the final call but at least have every play reviewed by that eye in the sky at all times in between commercial breaks and you know, or at least at the end of every you know whistle yeah well Jordan. That would improve the product on the ice, I think, and and and, and the, the the stuff that the players try and get away with behind the play would fall away. And if they just called the rule book throughout the year and including playoffs the same, I think we'd have a better product, more entertaining and, and higher scoring games. Personally.
3: Well, thanks, Jordan. I, I appreciate it. I, I mean, I, you guys have heard me say this all year for the past two years. I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the offside challenge. And I don't. I don't want to. I, maybe I shouldn't open this can of worms, but I'll just say this quickly. Be, and I'm just talking about this in general, not so much as it relates to anything that happened tonight. But you, you've given the coaches the ability to challenge. But if he's wrong on his first challenge, then he loses the ability to challenge anything else that may be more obviously incorrect. So let's say, uh, you know, Todd challenges the goalie interference on Talbot. You know, he trusts his goalie who says he was bumped, and he loses the challenge. Let's say the Ducks were seven feet offside, and the linesman just missed it. You know, like the like the Duchesne goal from a few years ago, which is the only one reason we have this rule to begin with, he couldn't challenge it, and the league couldn't call down and challenge it. That's To me, that's another issue as well. Again, I'm, I'm not tying it so much into uh into this game but that's just a, a theoretical thing. 7804960063 on the advantage trailer's scoreboard by the way, Pittsburgh beat Washington 3-2 to take a 3-1 series lead and here at Rogers Place, Anaheim 4, Oilers 3 in overtime. We have Corey on the line at 7804960063. Hey Corey, what's going on? Hey Corey, are you there? Corey, turn your radio down. I think, buddy, are you there? I don't think I don't think we have him, Kellen. Okay, can we bring in Ewan then and finish the play with him? Is that all right? Ewan, are you there? Hello. Hey, go ahead, buddy. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing well. I appreciate that you called.
13: Yeah, I'm. Uh, so I'm obviously a longtime weather fan, and I've called into the show a couple times. Uh, I have a couple things I want to say, and then I'll sort of leave it to you. Um, the first thing is. I don't think Jordan Eberle should be able to play next game. I think he should sit out and bring in Matt Hendricks, put him on the fourth line, shuffle every other right winger up. I thought he was horrendous. He's weak on the boards. He loses the puck along the boards every time. Button hooks to the blue line, never takes a hit. Um, There's other players that can play and apply pressure in the offensive zone. Um, Number two, Ryan Getzlaff is a world-class player, but he also gets special treatment. He gets away with everything and other Ducks do as well. So what that causes the Oilers to have to do is play at a lower intensity than the Ducks because they're afraid of taking penalties. So what we then lead to is the Ducks, you know, coming in and hitting us and hacking us. If you watch the play, uh, you know, after a guy like McDavid passes the puck away, Kessler's hacking him and slashing him every single time. Nothing gets called. So my question is, what's the actual process to challenge those sorts of things from a team perspective like what can the Oilers do to say to the NHL hey like something's not right here
3: yeah that's and you would stay on the line because you're going to finish the play tonight first of all with Jordan Eberle I don't I what I think will happen is is that he'll remain on the fourth line I don't think he'll be scratched I think he'll remain on the fourth line that's what I think the coaching staff will do in terms of – it's funny you brought that up. I don't know how much of the – is his, can you leave his line open, Kellen, so I can talk to him? You and did you hear any of the McClellan-Carlisle stuff today?
13: Yeah, a little okay, bit. So, so I saw what Carlisle said, and right. then I saw McClellan try and not touch it. You know, he just, like, kind of backed <laughs> off.
3: Right. But they can – they take – like, Don Van Massenhoven is the supervisor for this series. So they can show video clips and say, look, we think – you know, we think Ryan gets left, trip Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, like he obviously did in Game 3. Mm-hmm. Why, yeah, why wasn't that called? Maybe they get an explanation. And what Carlisle was saying about McDavid was, is that he, they the Ducks feel, and this might be just... Maybe they don't even believe it, but they're just trying to bring something up. They're saying, well, yeah, McDavid steals the puck so much because he gets in on guys' hands, and he's hooking them, but he does it so fast you can't see it, so please watch for it. That's the kind of stuff they can do, mm-hmm. and, and that the Oilers, I'm sure they'll try to show, okay, Getzlaff did this, or Kessler did this behind the play. or, or and, and, and what they what they really would have a case is now is Getzlaff... Uh, got away with those trips in Game Three, and Nuge got called for a trip tonight. That was almost the same play, and
13: I—that it, was, was a penalty yeah. on Nuge. That was a trip, and it should have been Getzlaff last game, right? right. But they're so, not. So that's it. the you kind of
3: that's the kind of stuff they'll show, and that's to me, you and, and so if you heard the pregame show, you know how I feel. The you know the stuff behind the play the the stuff in the scrums I realize that's tough to call and sometimes they're going to pick one guy even though other guys are throwing punches or slashes it, mm-hmm. it, it's the blatant trips that Getzlaff got away with that that had me cranky about it
13: but, absolutely and the interference the, the Ducks interfere a lot in the offensive zone. Well, they they do, and so do the Sharks. And they don't call it. Yeah, absolutely, and the Sharks do. And so, like, if this is quote-unquote playoff hockey, why is the NHL? Then the Oilers need to start doing it. All but right. I mean, like, why call things differently in the playoffs than in the regular season?
3: Okay, we're going to finish the play with you, you, and you've already won hey. an eight-day parking pass to JetSet We Park. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. You can be entered into the grand prize draw for a thousand dollars to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. What do we have, Kellen? The
2: stick and now Nurse pushes up the left-hand side. Dry subtle. Two on one. McDavid back to drive subtle. Got it back. Retire. All right, goal or no goal? Are
13: you there? Yeah, goal or no goal? Oh, goal. McDavid shoots it in the net. Here we go.
2: The stick, and now Nurse pushes up the left-hand side. Drysaddle, 2-on-1. McDavid back to settle. Got it back. Great top score. Connor McDavid gets another friendly bounce.
3: All right, that was the goal that made it 2-0 Oilers. They played a great first period. They were... Beaten in the second period and fell behind 3-2. Kajula tied it at 18-18 of the third, but the Ducks win it. Silverberg, 45 seconds into overtime. Let's get the thoughts of Oilers head coach Todd McClellan, courtesy of GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices.
14: Well, they scored their first one. We had some poor board work, and they, they took advantage of it. Um, You know, the second one was, uh, in my opinion, well, actually, the first one I thought was the disputed goal. Is that right? Yeah. It was the goalie interference one, and um, obviously, I disagree with the caller. I wouldn't have uh, challenged it. I thought that he interfered with the blocker in the hands and uh, couldn't make the save, but obviously, they didn't see it that way. Uh, They gained a little momentum at that point. Uh, They get the second one, which was... You know, bounced around it was a lucky break and then the third one was disappointing so that took a lot of life and energy out of the building and certainly uh even more so out of us so it took a lot of work to get back into the game uh to br- bring the belief system back up again and uh you know we had a heck of an effort to get the the tying one and then we had some poor board work again so one and one and four poor board work they step inside us and it's internet
15: Yeah.
0: Um, The first one, you talked about the poor board work. You were talking after the last game about needing more from Jordan Eberle. There was a mistake there on his part. Is that frustrating to be dealing with that in back-to-back playoff games?
14: He's not the only one that made mistakes, though.
9: Todd, you've you've talked about Getzlaff as the head of their snake. Um, In that second period, he was the guy who was driving the bus for them, too just in terms of ha- having an answer for him you're not going to have it every night but
14: no well, right now we don't he's uh, he's playing that well and um i don't know what he had 26 27 minutes uh so you can try and get whatever match you want it's either 17 or, or 15 or on the ice all the time and uh they're both playing well uh although i think that we can play with them uh we've won the two games in their building we are going to go back it's obviously a road series and Uh, We'll take the road ice advantage. I think that's what we've got back now.
10: Can you refer to a bit, I mean, you guys had such a great start, uh, and then you had, a after the two instances you're talking about, I think you went 11 minutes without a shot, and then all of a sudden some good things started to happen, and you took over the game again. Uh, Is that a a matter of having a growth team, as you keep referring to it, or...? Is that a matter of having a young growth team, or is it something else? I don't think
14: age plays into it much. Um, you know, a little bit of experience, likely, but uh, age doesn't come into play. Um, really, for for us, we've been through uh, emotional highs and lows, and we're learning how to deal with that. I think of, uh, you know, the first period um, in Game 3 here where we're, we're down, and we emotionally have to recover from it. Then we tie the game, and, and they get a one that we'd like to have back, and and emotionally we've got to recover again. Tonight we get the lead, emotionally we've got to recover again. We're getting tested, and we're learning as we go. So I don't think age has anything to do with, perhaps experience a little bit, but we're getting it.
10: As a coach, what do you do now?
14: Uh, Well, we watch the game, we go home and sleep, we come to practice tomorrow, and uh, we put together a plan for game three. It's tied 2-2, two great teams playing pretty hard hockey. So we'll, uh, we'll get back at it.
3: All right, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan, and he emphasized poor board play leading to the Ducks' first and fourth goals tonight. And, uh, well, yeah, at the end, no choice but to get back at it. They will practice here at Rogers Place tomorrow and then fly to Anaheim. Game 5 Friday at 8.30. Our coverage will start at 6 on 6.30, Chad. And don't forget, at 11 in the morning today, you can go to Edmontonoilers.com to get tickets for the watch party for Friday night, the Orange Crush, Orange Crush road game watch party tickets on sale at 11. Doors will open at 7:30 on Friday. My name is Reed Wilkins. Ducks win 4-3 in overtime. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll bring Gary onto the show. Gary, I appreciate you calling. Go ahead, man.
16: Yeah, thanks, Reed, for taking my call. I, uh, you know, I'm just absolutely uh, confused. I think the NHL rule book is absolutely broken. Uh, I just don't understand uh, the one time out, then you get one call, and then uh, I think you mentioned something about uh, a player being seven feet offside and scoring a goal. Well, yeah,
3: hypothetically, I was saying that if you'd already lost your challenge, you wouldn't be able to challenge that. I was exaggerating for arguments, effect, I under- but yeah. yeah
16: <laughs> I, I understand, which makes absolutely no sense. I mean, uh, why wouldn't uh, Toronto stepped in there and uh, and uh, take the reins over a call like that because that was clearly offside and and the Oilers got uh, I mean I guess you look at it another way if there was a penalty to be called on on the opposing team and they came down and scored a goal that goal would be disallowed because there was a penalty coming up so the same question would stand if if that was a legitimate offside which now breaks the 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 play up and they score that goal should again be disallowed it should not count and and whether you got a timeout or not i mean it just doesn't make sense to me i just don't get that
3: well and you probably know how i feel i mean i i'd be fine if they just didn't review offsides because so many of them like, no linesman is going to see a lot of these offsides with the naked eye, right? So, like, why are we taking, you know, today's goal didn't come off the board, but oftentimes you do take a goal. I mean, you had Cassian with a couple goals wiped out because a guy lifted his skate just before the, the puck went over the line and, and stuff like that. So, I don't know. The, the video review debate is, is a whole other debate.
16: Things right, how- like way too much technology.
3: Well and I've had this debate, you know, you know what, Gary, I have I have this debate all hockey season long and then the CFL season's gonna start in a month and a half and then I'm gonna have it about video review and football, right?
16: Like, uh, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, and then and then and then the chase for the puck for the fourth goal, that was clearly an icing call. I mean, how does one ref overrule another ref? who's already made the call. I, I, I don't get that one either. And I don't care if McDavid was the guy that was chasing after the puck. There was no way he was getting there before the puck crossed the line. I mean, that was clearly icing. And, and uh, wow, I, I mean, I'm an Oilers fan, so I'm maybe a little biased there. But there's no bloody way that uh, that either of those players would have got to that puck before it crossed the line. And that was clearly icing, and, and it should never have been a, a, defi- a deciding goal for 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 this uh, overtime game that just uh, Gary yeah, bo- boggles my mind. It's
3: good to hear from you, Gary. I'm here to listen. I know a lot of people are frustrated about those calls. I, I still think the Oilers got to make that play. I think it was waved off far enough in advance that they could have made the play. And I, and I wonder, I, I, I thought Clefbaum might have lost sight of the puck for a little bit. And, and they might have ruled that he might have been able to make a play on it. I'm, I'm just trying to guess what the officials are thinking. But uh, it did lead to the Ducks' game, game-winning goal. The Oilers got three goals tonight. That means a $75 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, courtesy of Booster Juice an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. $25 they give for every goal throughout the season. Follow the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Okay, before I go back to the phones, we'll go downstairs one more time for Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. Here's Mr. White Gloves himself, Randy Carlisle. did you
11: turn it, do you think? Well, we were kind of frozen in the first period, uh, you know, uh, they had a lot of energy, and they built off their fans. And uh, they were moving at a much quicker pace than we were, and we were standing still trying to make plays, and we got overwhelmed. Then they catch a, you know, they got a, a break where we deflect a puck and a penalty kill from the sidewall, to the front, and it lands right on Luchid's stick, and you know, it's one nothing, and that, that just gave them even more energy. So what we tried to do in between periods is just reset ourselves. Uh, we were, you know, we were in a situation, you know, down two nothing. If we continued to play like that, it was going to be four or five nothing by the another period like that. So, what we tried to do is just calm ourselves, get back, and get back into doing the things that we do. And we found a way to claw back into it. We scored three straight goals, you know, and uh, we directed more pucks at the net. We did a lot of skating with the puck from a. D-to-D and skate, and then we found people and attacked instead of received the game.
9: Randy, what can you say about Ryan Getzlaff spearheading that to start the second and then carrying it all the way through? It almost seemed like the play was happening almost at slow motion for him, the way he's handled
11: Well, again, it's just another exclamation point on the type of player Getz has been for our hockey club. You know, he's our captain, he's our leader, and he's done a lot of things that uh, go unnoticed, and now in these situations in the playoffs he's been a a guy that's stepped to the forefront and, and really taken the bull by the horns and even the play in overtime he read that and cut the pass off and found silverberg in front of the net all alone and those are the type of plays plus he has the ability to score himself and as we always tried to state that we'd like him to shoot the puck more uh, because he has such a lethal shot, but his wingers tell him they'd like him to pass more. So we're into that corundum.
15: <laughs> do you feel,
2: Randy, going into overtime, it would have been very easy to, you know, be down? What what was said in the room as far as shaking off the late equalizer and getting yourself reset in an offensive mind frame for well,
11: time What we we tried to do is is that. Uh, you know, go, get back to doing the things we did we, we did in the second period. That's what we referred to. We skated with the puck. We, we directed pucks towards the net. We controlled the puck uh, at, for stretches. But, you know, in overtime, usually, you know, you get a break, and somebody had to make a big play, and we were looking for somebody to be a hero. That's what we asked. It's somebody's turn to be a hero tonight. You know, we've clawed our way back into this game after being down 2 nothing. We, we're not going to let a speed bump along the way, and, you know deter us from our goal and our goal was to win the hockey game and we were fortunate enough that our big guys made a play and Silverberg's one-time shot got by him.
3: All right so there's Randy Carlisle the coach of the Ducks and he referenced that they got back to what they were doing in the second period where they controlled the play for long stretches and and we talked about that earlier on the show that's what the Oilers are going to have to do a better job of counteracting I mean, you're always going to have times where you're hemmed in. The other team controls the puck. But the Oilers, if they're going to win this series, can't let it go on for as long as it went on tonight. We had Drew Ramendo on, and he said they got to – you can't keep trying to make pretty plays if you're getting forechecked. You got to get it out, get it across the red line, and dump it in deep and try to get in behind their D and start laying some hits. And, you know, the, the Ducks are trying to suffocate this game in the third period. The Oilers got a few more, you know, checks going. Yes, they maybe got a bit of a fortunate penalty call with Vermette playing the puck with his hand on the faceoff um, that allowed them to keep the puck in uh, They didn't score on the power play, but they, they scored shortly after it expired, and that got them into overtime. So that's a big key for the orders going into Friday is is weathering that Anaheim storm and making it a brief rain shower instead of an all-day rain. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Michael on the line. Michael, it's twelve thirty. Good to hear from you. Go ahead.
9: Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I'm doing quite well. That's good. Uh, I watched the game the Oilers played. A great game. I, in my eyes, my my only point is was officiating and an offside call. Uh, definitely goaltender interference call that was Perry that. Definitely hit um, Talbot. I I believe in my eyes, and an icing call is that is that going to affect them in Game Five? Is my one comment. My next comment is Randy Carlyle's um, comments on White Gloves against um, McDavid. So do we have to put the White Gloves against Getzlaf now and
4: Perry?
3: Well, the, goal, the the goalie interference one would be, I think, the one I would complain the most about about tonight because I, I did think he impeded uh, Talbot's ability to make the save. It, it's, I talked about this earlier. John Shannon tweeted it out. Drew Ramenda said he was in contact with some people he knows at the league and said the reason the league decided not to call goalie interference was because the skate contact was outside the crease. As a hockey fan, I don't agree with that because I think if you're if you're driving the net and you bump a goalie's skate as he's trying to see the puck and push off, uh, I think that's goalie interference. You know, if if he's if he's trying to make a save. but, yeah, I mean, the, the white glove comment, I think, is going to hang with Carlisle, especially in this city for a long time. Thanks for calling 780-496-0063. Jared and Kent up next on the phone line. You'll also hear from Kajula and McDavid, who both scored for the Oilers tonight. However... The Ducks take it 4-3 in overtime. I'm Reed Wilkins, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers
1: Radio. This, this is good. Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Good morning. It
3: is 1236. Reed Wilkins at Rogers Place are inside the game analyst Rob Brown will return for game six on Sunday. We know there will be one because the series is tied at two after the Ducks' 4-3 overtime win. Overtime only lasted 45 seconds. Jakob Silverberg scoring on the first shot of overtime. Ryan Getzlaff had two goals and two assists for the Ducks. For the Oilers, Patrick Maroon had two assists. Leon Draisaitl two helpers. Lucic McDavid and Kajula have the goals. 780 is the phone number. We have Jared on the line. Jared, hello. Go ahead, buddy. How are you, Rick? Oh, hey, Jared. I'm great. Thanks for calling. Uh, I just
17: uh, got to tip my hat to Rand uh, Getzlaff. I um, think he played a trick in this game. And the one thing I'd like to say about a lot of his interference in the, hook, the fans. See it from different perspectives uh, from the referees, and guys like Gatsaba, or even a guy like Gretzky, or or Datsuk were masters of like this the gentle hook, the stick right. lift, and all different types of interference. So I think that these guys are really gifted at that gentle art of deception. Uh, the other thing, just a quick comment about the video replay. To me, that Cam Talbot goal, uh, that was goaltender interference. So they go to the video replay, which still involves an interpretation of the video. So it's really no different than uh, a referee calling it firsthand on the ice. And lastly, I'd say my, my biggest concern for the Oilers going into the fifth game is after the first period, the defensemen, the defenseman their gap they just kept backing and backing and backing and almost to the point where they were on top of Cam Talbot and they were leaving the offensive zone very, very early and Anaheim is just able to break out at will and they can establish their forecheck just by carrying the puck into the opposing, into the Oilers' zone. So, I mean, that's my concern going forward. Unless they can start to step up at their blue line or hold the offensive blue line, I think they're going to have trouble in the next couple of games. That's a
3: really good point, Jared. And we've seen that at times in this series when the Oilers, I mean, they've talked a lot about being on their heels and that's the effect of pressure. You start to get tentative. You start to think, "Oh my God, I'm I, I, don't, I, I got beat last time, where a guy beat me to the net or to the puck, so I got it back in." It, Jared, do you remember the play? I think it was in the third period. It was like, a, it was a, should have been a harmless three-on-three, three. and the two warriors defensemen in the back checking forward sagged in so far, Fowler yeah. just kept walking in and took a wrist shot from almost the hash marks. There was that one Talbot caught. Remember that one? Like yeah. they, they just say, like, I think Fowler thought he w- was going to have to pass, and then he, I think he just looked up and thought, oh, my God, I'm just going to go in and take a
17: wrist shot. Because I, I think this series is, is, or all games are won at the two blue lines the offensive zone and your defensive zone, but here I'm watching Anaheim and the defense is already at center ice, and I guess that is kind of the one knock against Chris Russell is that he just backs in and backs in, he tries to to uh, to block the shot but you cannot let guys like uh, Randy Getz uh, um, yeah, guess Ryan Getzlap ha- have their way with you or Corey Perry but they have to take them at the blue line, force them to dump it in and they can't leave the zone and I, even a guy like Darnell Nurse who I think a lot of talent He's always out of position, I find, when he struggles, is because he's trying to avoid handling the puck, and I think that's very problematic for him because people see him on... on a controlled breakout, he makes an outlet pass. He looks good. Lugging the puck up the ice when there's no pressure, he looks good. But as soon as the heat is on him, he goes back to his old habit. And he just, and he, he just starts to panic. He tries to avoid the puck. And a lot of the Oilers defensemen are like that, but he really struggles with it. And I think that I mean he's already going to be 23 years old fairly soon, and I'm not so sure what kind of defenseman he's going to end up being because that, that puck handling, and I... I think it's, that's the hallmark of all great defensemen, their ability to handle puck under pressure. Like when yeah. Pronger was here, he was able to make these beautiful little saucer passes. He never panicked, but these other guys are just straight panic mode. So, well,
3: Benning uh, and Nurse have, have really had their minutes cut. I mean, it was uh, yeah. 13 for Nurse tonight, twelve twenty nine for Benning. Uh, a couple penalties on Benning. He did deliver a really nice big body check there early yeah. in the game, but I love what you said about the blue lines, and that's something I really watch for. And in the first period, the Oilers owned both blue lines. Like, they kept the puck in a lot at the offensive zone, and they, and they were rushing the Ducks, and the Ducks were starting to panic a little bit, and you start to hear footsteps when there's no one there, you know, and you make a yeah. weak play, and you throw yeah. it away. But then, yeah, but, I mean, then but Anaheim has that ability, and I talked earlier, they're composed, they're resilient. They can turn it around fast. I mean, the Ducks can turn it around as fast as almost
17: anyone in the league, and they yeah, did that cool. tonight. Yeah, no, but they're they're able to establish the forecheck because they give up the blue line, both blue lines, the offensive and defensive. And just watch the next game read, and the Oilers' success depends on that. I mean, both teams do, but they got to hold the blue line. They got to. They can't be backing up. Otherwise, it's it's a cakewalk for Anaheim.
3: Jared, I'll talk to you later this week, probably on one of the shows. Man, thanks for calling. Bye bye. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Ducks take it four three in overtime. Four points for Getzlaff. Silverberg had the game winner. Game five is well now tomorrow, Friday, in Anaheim. Eight thirty start our coverage here on six thirty. Chad will begin at six. My name is Reed Wilkins. We'll go to Kent on the open line. Kent, thanks a lot for calling. What's on
18: your mind? Hi, Reed. Thanks for having me. Uh, I guess you're flying solo tonight, eh? Yeah,
3: Rob's uh, Rob's away tonight and Friday. He's back for game six.
18: Awesome. I'd like to hear his opinion on, on this, but, I mean, I, actually I was talking uh, to one of my friends uh, uh, just the other day about this blue line issue that you just brought up, and it seems like that as a defensive strategy, and, you know, maybe because the Oilers have had a lot of difficulty defensively in the last few years and even last year under mcclellan like they came up quite a bit but it still wasn't you know great and finally we have you know some real defensemen um they've really gone for protect uh protecting the slot and the inner slot over the line like as part of their strategy and you can see that they give the line a lot compared to some other teams and um, I don't know why, but it's one of the reasons that Mark Fane just doesn't work. Like, because Fane was um, really like part of the, the, the devils and part of that trap style, low count style, uh, uh, very, like, very line heavy style of hockey. And uh, But he, he exhibited still a poor uh, goals for percentage on the Oilers because he's not a very good slot defenseman. And the same thing with M- Marty Marinchin, who I just love. He was one of my favorite players like of the last few years. I just love him. Great Corsi on the ice because he, he uh, guards the line, but not a strong slot de- defenseman. So it really seems to me that the like, and I don't know if it maybe it's uh, a tactically something between Shirelli and McClellan, like.
3: No, they uh, they don't want to give up the blue line too easily. And Todd mentioned to me once that they've improved a lot at uh, at denying zone entries. Mm-hmm. But I, but I think we're seeing here with a higher quality opponent, they they, yeah. they get worried, and, and they and they and they say they sag too far in. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I personally that's what what I think is is happening, and I but think they
18: that, haven't been good. At, I mean, it's not just that it's just happening against the Ducks or whatever. Like this is something that's been happening all all year. But I mean, we've gotten a lot better in the slot area, I think, and that's. Oh, they're much. Know.
3: They're much more um, desperate in the slot. The forwards help out more. You yeah, know, they they have more bodies around there. Uh, uh, absolutely, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. great for sure. Okay, yeah. Hopefully, they're a little better at, the, at denying the zone entries in Game Five yeah, for we'll sure.
18: See what
3: <laughs> yeah, well, it can't be much worse than the second period tonight. That's that's for sure. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Before we go back to the phone lines, let's hear from the guy who got a huge goal tonight. He tied it late in the third period. Here's rookie Drake Kajula.
7: Uh, for a minute there, it looked real good. Yeah, I think uh, you know, it gave us a it gave us an opportunity. Um, it's uh, it's a two-two series now, and it's uh, you know, it's nice to get the first one off my back, but um, you know, we got to make sure we play a full 60 minutes and going forward here. And uh, you know, it, we were in this situation last series, lost two-two, and uh, you know, we're we're just fine. When a guy get, like gets off, has a night like that, I mean. You have got a uh, like that out of Leon. It's just power forwards doing what they do. Yeah, he's he's obviously a tremendous player, and uh, you know he's got the skill sets to do that. But uh, you know we got to find ways to contain him and, and uh, make it hard for him. And I uh, you know it's not going to be an easy task. But uh, you know we got to find something in a in a bag of tricks to uh, you know slow him down a little bit. Second so cool. period, just things changed, changed dramatically. Obviously, what did you see? Yeah, you know, we stopped skating a little bit. Um, you know, we, we started to try and carry the pucks over the blue line and stuff like that. And rather than uh, you know making their d-turn and, and forcing them to to skate like we were doing in the first period, and um, you know, I think we just uh, kind of got away from that. And, uh, and then the third period came around and we got back to that, and uh, you can see the results. So. Uh, you know, We know what we're capable of. We just got to make sure we do it for a full 60 minutes. You used to talk about the highs and the lows, you know, supporting that goal and then losing it so quickly there in overtime. Yeah, that's playoffs and momentum can change uh, at any given point in time. It's one simple play. can change the whole momentum of the game. But, uh, you know, we figured out that momentum doesn't carry from game to game necessarily. And, uh, you know, we, we have a fresh start uh, in Anaheim for game five. And, uh, you know, it's a 2-2 series. We're, we're doing just fine. And uh, we were in this situation before, so uh, we know how to handle it. Read that straight, Kajula.
3: Brendan Ulrich talking to Drake Kajula. He got a playoff, uh, well, his first playoff goal at 18-18 of the third period. The Oilers tied it, but the Ducks got the next one, 45 seconds into overtime. They win game four at Rogers Place, 4-3. So, best of three, Anaheim Friday, Edmonton Sunday. If we need game seven, it's in Anaheim Wednesday, May 10th. All right, Lawrence is up next on the open line. I got to get a quick break in. Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line on
1: Oilers Radio. When the game ends, the conversation doesn't stop. Every weekday morning, the Orange Crush conversation continues on the 6.30 Chad Morning News with Bruce Bowie. You'll get your fill of Oilers analysis and begin your day with the very latest news from Bob Layton. Accurate forecasts with Global News Meteorologist Kevin O'Connell. And we'll get you to work on time with Edmonton's only chopper traffic reports. End your night with the Oilers and begin your day with the 6.30 Morning news. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.
3: Third overtime game of the postseason for the Oilers. They've all been a Rogers Place. They're now one and two Silverberg game winner. 45 seconds into the extra frame after Kajula had tied it with a minute 42 to go in the third period, his first playoff goal. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 12.52. Our open line number is 780-496-0063. You're still going to hear from Connor McDavid as well, but we have Lawrence standing by. Lawrence, thank you very much for calling. Hi, Reed. Hey, Lawrence.
15: How's it going tonight?
3: Well, I'm doing quite well. I'm glad you called.
15: Right on. Hey, I was. Uh, <clears throat> I think Julie He was. He was correct when he said they got to learn to play that way. The first period for sixty minutes, right? Yep. You know, there's no doubt about it. They they can't quit. They're going to lose a series if they they don't give her. You know they they know who they're playing. They got to smarten up a little bit.
3: Yeah, I, I mean it's and you know it's like you know Drew Remender was on earlier and we brought it up a couple of times. An- Anaheim is going to play well. They're they're going to do things well. They're going to they're going to make plays, but the Oilers have to figure out how to get. They got to you know, be consistent. Like you can't be dominated for an entire period. And and, and officiating aside, the shots yeah, in the yeah, second period were twenty one five. We're twenty one five.
15: If they didn't play so lousy. They wouldn't have to worry about that officiating you
3: know what I mean well right I mean they they basically didn't have the puck in the second period so I mean exactly. something's gonna go right for Anaheim
15: yeah yeah um, as far as I'm concerned about the offside they should have been able to challenge but if they're wrong then maybe maybe they should get a penalty or something you know like i I, I don't think that you know a second challenge should be allowed because you blew the first challenge. Like, I mean, what the hell is that?
3: Well, and Talbot was pretty – that was as upset as I think I've heard, Cam, in two years here. I, I, I I,
15: well, up- we all know that he got ripped off. And, uh, you know, but that's that's officiating, you know?
3: Yeah. If, I mean
15: they're, – They're not perfect. They you- never will be you got to fight you know, they, through it. A- they should have superstar officiators, maybe. Maybe that's what we should get some superstar officiators. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We've got superstar hockey players. Let's get some good officiators.
3: Well, these are these guys are the best in the world. And it's tough oh, with, with these officials. Tonight. It's, it's, it's tough you know, when you ask them to look at a call they already made and review it themselves. Because if I'm doing that, I'm going to look for evidence that I was right, not that I was wrong. Right? That's just human nature.
15: But, you know, they're they're, they're not making some calls that they should be, and I I think that's a shame.
3: Lawrence, thanks for calling. Appreciate it. 780-496-0063. Still time for you to chime in tonight. Oilers lose 4-3 in overtime to the Ducks. Connor McDavid scored his fourth goal of the playoffs tonight. Here he is. Do you have a sense of what's deemed
19: goalie interference or what isn't deemed goalie interference nowadays? Uh, I'm not going to touch too much on that. Um, you know, Was he, was he touched? Um, no. I think it, it, he was maybe touched. Um, did it affect the goal? Um, I kind of think so, but um, ultimately the ref's going to call it how, how he sees it, like I've always said. and um, Ultimately, uh, that's the way it went. You guys were able to get the goal coming but... Huh? When they took a lot of the play back, what's going on in that time that maybe you guys aren't able to, to, you know, take momentum back your way sooner and it seemed like they carried it quite a bit? Yeah, I guess uh, it's been the theme, um, you know, but... but. You know, we had our, our swings, and you know, we carried the base in the first period. Um, that's a good sign. Um, you know, even when uh, you know, they, they were carrying the play, we found a way to score a goal, a huge goal to send the goal time. So, yeah, all, that's a positive. Uh, Connor, what has left done to make life difficult for you guys? You know, he's a big body, um, he skates ball, he's very skilled. So um, that, that adds up to, to the hockey player. So ultimately, you, know, so we, uh, you know, we have to find a way to control him.
6: Summarize, just three or four games, tied to, yeah. going back. I mean, I guess you shed this
19: pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, we were in the same position last year. Um, we are going into a building that uh, you know, we've had success before. Uh, we were comfortable playing there. Play, um, you never want to play a series where you lose both at home, but um, no, that's the case uh, both teams find themselves in, and now it's a race to do You look back in the first and you think maybe some missed opportunities. You guys had some great chances, and maybe some others you could have finished sure yeah um, that one bounces through uh, his five pole on the two on one you know, one he reaches back that's that's probably going to find its way in the net um those are chances that we would, we would like to bury but um you know that's the way it goes um you know, they, they have chances too where you know, they don't find the net and um you know, it's hockey thanks john That's
10: Connor McDavid. All
3: right, thanks, Brendan. Oilers captain Connor McDavid obviously disappointed after the 4-3 overtime loss to the Ducks. It is the same score as the last series after four games. It's tied 2-2. Of course, the Oilers were coming home for game five in that case, though they had been beaten 7-0 in the fourth game in San Jose. They will have to play on the road against Anaheim in Game 5 in this series, though they did win the first two games in Anaheim. Look, the Ducks have been the better team the last three games. Game 1 was really close. The Oilers made a couple of more plays. Uh, you know, they had the lead in the third period, even though Anaheim tied it. Larson made a play. They win the game. The Ducks dominated Game 2. Talbot stole it. That's fine. Sometimes you need your goalie to steal the game. Game 3, the Ducks were the better team for probably about two-thirds of it. And close to the same ratio tonight uh i mean the oilers had a good first period ducks had an even better second period now the third period was interesting because the ducks weren't pressing a lot um but they were controlling the play and keeping the oilers away from the net for the most part and then the oilers got it going a little bit in the last six minutes and uh, well maybe even the last half of the period by the way i, I got i got to bring this up um because I know there's a lot of complaints about the officiating. Lawrence was pretty adamant about it in the last phone call. I don't know if if this was on shown on T V. Benoit Pouliot got away with a vicious cross check to Ryan Kessler's face with seven eighteen to go. I I may I wrote that down in my notes. Uh it was it it looked like a nasty one. So Sometimes the Oilers do get a bit of a break when it comes to the penalty calls as well. Okay, we're going to break for the 1 o'clock news. You'll still hear from Jakob Silverberg, who got the game-winning goal tonight. And we still have time to take your phone call, 780-496-0063. Ducks take it, 4-3 in OT. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Playoff Radio, 630
1: This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630-10.
3: All right, the final of Rogers place tonight, Anaheim 4, Edmonton 3 in overtime. Silverberg gets the game winner. You'll hear from him in a few minutes. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. You can phone me, 780-496-0063. You can text six thirty six thirty. Just want to catch up on some... Uh Text messages here. Keith says the Oilers have to stop making blind passes that lead to turnovers. Also, they need to be better at clearing their zone. Well, Keith, you know, excellent point. And I think that, again, ties into what happens when one team... It creates a lot of pressure and gets moving their feet, and is able to forecheck and make the other team feel rushed. Sometimes even when they aren't. And I thought the Oilers did it to the Ducks in the first period. I thought I, they, I mean the Oilers had a good first period tonight. I have to give them the credit for that. Anaheim absolutely owned the second period. Twenty-one-five were the shots. I don't remember the Oilers getting one shot, let alone five. They must have been in there somewhere. So, yeah, the Oilers get rushed. You, you, you don't make smart plays along the boards. You, you start to, you know, make a hope play instead of knowing for sure. You maybe start to do something a little too as an individual instead of using your teammates, and uh, that's what gets you into trouble. And Anaheim has a type of team that can capitalize on those mistakes and and force you to keep making them. Now, as Drew Remenda brought up earlier, when the Oilers are in that situation, they need to make a smart play to get the puck out. They can't force the puck through the middle of the ice, and they've got to get it in deep against the Ducks and try to get their own forecheck going. Because if you try to make plays through the middle of the ice, especially after you're tired, if you've been hemmed in for a while, you don't get the puck in deep. You turn it over at the red line or at the other team's blue line and bang, back it comes in the other way. Uh, this texture says, so who can we put in for a shadow on Getzlaff? Well, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has often been up against Getzlaff in this series. Uh, I, it seemed to me in the first period, McClellan was, uh, it was trying to get McDavid out there against him as well. Go top line against top line. Tough play for Nugent on the third goal. I mean, he back checked, he got the puck in front. He thought he had time to make a play and Getzlaff just swooped in there like a vulture and whacked the puck right off Nugent Hopkins. Uh, stick and into the net behind Talbot. The goalie interference call. I was talking about the skate, the skate on skate contact. Perry and Talbot. Uh, you know McClellan's comments. He he thought the problem was that that Perry got in there on the blocker and on Talbot's hands, and what prevented him, and that's what prevented him from making the save. So that, that's how he was looking at that. I, I was more focused on the skate and I think a lot of you have been as well because, to me, if you bump the goalie's skate, even if it's a little bit, he he's gets knocked off balance. He can't push off left or right. You know, it's going to make him harder to, to look and find the puck. And, you know, you saw Talbot throw his arms up right after it happened, and and that's why he was frustrated. But I, I think they were more... Uh, challenging for the contact on the hands as opposed for uh, as, as opposed to what happened with the skate, though that was probably, I mean, I think if you're challenging, you can just challenge, so anyway, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. you can text six let's go down to the Ducks room one more time here's the guy who got the game winner, Jakob Silverberg. Your
6: captain really seemed to kind
20: of take charge in the second period. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I mentioned it earlier that he uh, we didn't come off w- with a good start, our first period wasn't, wasn't very good, but he le- really uh, led the way in the second and I mean, he scored some really big goals and not only that, but uh, every shift he had it pretty much. He was dominate out there and kept the team, uh, uh, kept helping the team pushing forward. So it was a, a big period for him and a really big game. When you come back in here, I mean, you're two minutes away from winning and you give up the lead. You gotta be devastated. How do you turn around and go back and then score in 45 seconds? I mean, I, I, I think it all comes from uh, the experience we have in this room. Uh, we kind of told ourselves that just keep saying what we've been doing. We've been playing a, uh, other than the first period, we've been playing a good game and having some good chances. And uh, they managed to find a goal eight on us. And uh, just staying with the same patience. Not getting frustrated, not start cheating. Just uh, stay composed, and I mean, it, it worked out tonight. What do you kind call of call their performance by Yetzi? I mean, it's, it, it's 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 remarkable. He's I mean, he's one of the best players in the in, in the league. And when he plays like he did tonight, with that uh, aggressiveness and that physicality, I mean, he he just kind of pushes the whole team to uh, to move forward with him. And uh, I mean, if he, if you want to be a team that goes far, it's uh, it's, it's him that's gonna have to keep have to play like that. And he obviously showed show the team uh, the right way tonight. Have
19: you ever seen? him and play better game to game to game to game. I,
20: I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think w- w- what has changed lately, from what I've seen him before, is that he's shooting the puck a lot more now, and he obviously got a big shot. And uh, I mean, he he, sp- he scored some big goals for him us tonight. And uh, if he keeps doing this, uh, uh, we're, we're gonna have a, a fun time here. When when you're an all- winner. Were <clears throat> <throat> you surprised how? F- fast that all developed and how wide open you were? Yeah, I kind of said I wasn't really sure what happened. I kind of turned my back on the play and looped behind the net and uh, next thing I I look and I see Getze having a lot of time and I was kind of wide open and I just opened up and was ready to shoot it. So uh, I'm not really sure exactly what happened on the boards, but I mean, it it turned out pretty good for us.
4: Not just this series, but throughout the NHL, the road teams have had a significant winning percentage in this playoffs. Can you guys put your finger on it? Why it seems to be teams are more successful
20: on the road this year? I don't know. It's 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 tough to say. I think if you look at our stats throughout the season, we've been a way stronger uh, team at home. So I I I, I can't really say why. But, uh, obviously, it's something we'd like to change going back and uh, playing at home on, on uh, Friday, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we kind of lose track of days. So, so on Friday, that's definitely something we, we want to change. And uh, we got to make sure to, to bring our end game. It's it's every game it gets tougher and tougher. And uh, we got to make sure that we come out with a uh, with a big jump.
3: Jakob Silverberg gets the game winner tonight. His seventh goal of the playoffs. His seventh goal of the playoffs. You've got to remember the Ducks have only played eight games. They swept Calgary 4-zip. This was game four against Edmonton. Going back to March 12th, the Ducks are 17-2-3. Their only two regulation time losses have been to the Oilers in the playoffs. And then one of the three overtime losses was to the Oilers back on April Fool's Day. So, I mean, they, they've been playing great. The Oilers, one of the few teams that have given them a bit of trouble. Uh, but the Ducks have been the better team in this series. Right, you, know, I, you know, it almost feels like the Ducks lead the series 2-2 because they've won the last two games and they're going home for game five and the Oilers are going to have to win on the road here again to take this series. Text to 63630 Jordan Eberle cost the game on the sideboards. That 2-1 goal no doubt changed everything. Well, the Oilers were hemmed in to start the second period, but yeah, I mean, that was a play. He he gets to the puck. He's going to get hit. It rushes the play, makes a hope play up the wall, didn't get a lot on the puck. It's held in at the blue line. Montour gives it to Getzlaff, and uh, he he rips it in. So, goalie interference debate aside, That's a puck where you got to pay the price to 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 get it out. And you know, I I remember talking to somebody who played for the Oilers in 2006, and y'all remember that and how that team got going. and and one of the guys who was on that team said to me that he was terrified to make a mistake because he didn't want to be the one guy that went back to the bench and didn't pay the price to make a play. That 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 didn't take a body check to nudge the puck out the final two feet before the blue line, or, you know, that, that didn't try hard enough to stay on side. And that's the type of mentality you need in the playoffs. And I think Everly didn't show it on that play. 780-496-0063. Still time for you to chime in. You can text 630-630. We got to take a quick timeout. Oilers lose 4-3, series tied 2-2. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line on 630 Chad. ched
1: this is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The road team is
3: undefeated in the series between the Ducks and the Oilers. The Oilers took two in Anaheim. The Ducks come right back and take two in Edmonton. Now we go back to Anaheim for game five. Friday night, 8.30 off. We'll have the puck drop for you. At six, or, uh, we'll have the uh, face-off at 8.30, the face-off show at 6 o'clock here on 6.30. Ched, still checking for a start time for Game 6 in Edmonton on Sunday. I do not see one yet, so we'll keep you posted when we get that. Silverberg, the game-winning goal, 45 seconds into overtime. Drake Kajula, a dramatic game-tying goal for the Oilers with a minute 42 left, but they could not get the winner. I want to thank Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening, back at the 630 Chet Broadcasting Compound. Our engineer here at Rogers Place, Troy Bowler. Our inside-the-game analyst, Rob Brown, will return for Game 6 on Sunday. Thanks to everybody who called and texted. Always love talking to you, regardless of the result. You can get more on the Oilers page on 630Chet.com. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Have a great night.
1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad.